0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, April 19th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines Telluride Fire Protection District goes to voters to increase funding, crime trends upward in Telluride, youth hangout put on hold, and a mountain weather forecast. The Telluride Fire Protection District is going to voters asking for a mill levy increase.
1: We're asking for a four mill increase, um, which equates to about $3.9 million increase on an annual basis to assist with a bunch of different stuff.
0: That's Telluride Fire Protection District Chief John Bennett. The question is currently before voters in a special district election.
1: If you look at an assessed value for a million dollar Assessed value, that's $288 on an annual
0: basis. The Fire Protection District currently has four mill levies. If voters pass the increase, that would bring it up to eight. Bennett says an increase in funding will go towards staffing, facility and apparatus upgrades, and largely housing.
1: We're in a crisis mode, not only um, as a community, but also as the fire district. How do we keep our people local? Um, it, it's one thing being a restaurant or a, a bar or a, a town of Telluride or let's just call it an employer. How do you keep your employees local or reasonably local but more importantly as an essential service to a community? How do you keep those folks close with the ability to respond for a 911? Um, right now I have – Let's just call it a third, maybe a little less than a third, that um, my requirement is a two-hour callback. That's not healthy for a 911 service. Um, Talk to your TMO, your sheriff's department, um, your town of Mountain Village Police Department, you know, It's hard to run an essential 911 service when your folks don't live within your community.
0: According to Bennett, the need for more funding comes as the community and region shift and grow.
1: Right now, we're close to protecting $10 billion in real estate asset. And I think when you you look at numbers like that, the expectation has changed. And, And quite frankly, the risk profile that we do protect It's becoming more and more difficult for even those homeowners to find insurance companies that will protect them because of the wildfire risk.
0: He says the Fire Protection District works with homeowners to ensure they take as much personal responsibility as possible to protect their homes.
1: It's not just about, you know, a a mill levy, but it's about continuing to develop this relationship with the community. And yeah, it does take some money to, to. continue to support those things and and this didn't come without a ton of conversation and without a lack of planning and and all of those things are in play and and you know it's our hope that this is supported because it does matter and you know we don't want to go and we're not going into it with a blind eye there is a plan and and this is needed
0: Ballots for the special district election are currently out. Voters have until Tuesday, May 2nd at 7 p.m. to return their ballots. Ballot drop boxes are available at the Miramonte Building in Telluride, the Glockson Building in Norwood. Voters can also return their ballots by mail or to the Clerk and Recorder's Office in the San Miguel County Courthouse. Crime in Telluride is trending up. This week, Telluride Chief Marshal Josh Compt provided Town Council an update on numbers from 2022.
2: We had a significant increase in assaults; that was our five-year high at 25. Um, I think the next highest year we had was 10. So jumping up that that much is uh, quite a significant uh, bump.
0: Crimes against property did go down, and crimes against society stayed relatively equal to the year previous. According to Compt, the numbers are starting to look similar to pre-pandemic levels. 2020 and 2021 saw lower numbers than average.
2: Another area of significant concern that we're starting to see a bad increase in is hit and runs. We had 16 last year compared to three the previous year. Uh, This year so far, year to date, or at least through the end of March, we're already at seven. To be fair, some of these are the you know, sliding on ice, hitting a car, and then not knowing it and leaving. But a significant number of these have been um, significant damage to a vehicle um, or to a pedestrian, what they're having. So it's uh, it's definitely something that we're trying to keep an eye on and tamper down as, as best we can. In
0: 2022, the Marshals Department made 89 arrests and issued 216 citations. Deputies also had three reported uses of force during the year.
2: Two of those uses of force were on taser deployments and another one's when our officers pointed their handgun at a uh, suspect in a house. Um, So that's considered a reportable use of force.
0: Calls to the Marshals Department and reports were both down compared to 2021, but up from 2018, 2019, and 2020. Compt anticipates that upward trend to continue.
2: Currently year-to-date, let's see, I think we're at 1531 give or take so we're on pace again to kind of surpass those numbers so that, that trend seems to be here it's definitely keeping us busy when you consider um, you know, being down four bodies as well as this extra work there our so staff's having to pick up.
0: Down four bodies. The marshal's department is still struggling when it comes to staffing. The department is currently hiring for two deputies and two sergeants. With an understaffed department comp notes, there's no dedicated detective, which means all deputies are responsible for investigating their own cases.
2: Which has been, in my opinion, a good thing for them. Um, we're saying to them all sorts of different trainings. And in the event that we do have a critical incident or a complex case, now there's more people that we can pull from that have that expertise and experience to help run that case. Um, in years past, we had one person working that position, and you know, the when we do get a critical incident, it doesn't care if they're on vacation or not. So also, we're having to pull people in that aren't here and try to put them in roles that they're not familiar with. So it does make us a better, more rounded department. Um, the more training that we're offering our officers, but there is some growing pains with that as well.
0: COMP notes training as a focus for the department. Several deputies recently participated in a de-escalation and crisis intervention training.
2: The last officer we had attend that, it was a statewide class from officers from all over. I believe there was 25 um, recruits in that class or 25 officers in that class. And she came out the number one, won an award for being the top rated um, uh, CIT uh, person in that class. So we're trying to send as many as we can through that. The, the challenge is it's not often held here on the Western Slope. And when it does It fills up very quickly.
0: The department also participated in a number of active shooter trainings. In addition to the deputies patrolling the streets, the Marshals Department has a new deputy serving as the school resource officer for the Telluride School District. So far, during the 2022-2023 school year, there have been 84 reports, 16 property crimes, 19 personal crimes, and 49 information reports. Those are things like suspicions or welfare checks.
2: You know, we all think about the school resource officer as someone that is going to be a first responder, you know, heaven forbid forbid there ever is an incident there, Um, but Jimmy's great value is that he's really building good relationships with our students, their parents, and the teachers. And really having that open communication with the kids where there's been a lot of students that have come to him um, to report crimes or report that they're the victim of a crime that I don't think they likely would have would have reported had it not been for that relationship that he has built with him.
0: Outside of traditional law enforcement, Comp notes they're trying to engage with the community. The Marshall's department hosts monthly sports nights at the high school in collaboration with the Communities That Care Coalition. They've hosted self-defense classes for women. The department also started Coffee with a Cop to engage more with the Latinx and Spanish-speaking community.
2: One or two meetings ago, we went over what actually a traffic stop looks like. So myself and Another one of the members got in, a, got in a vehicle and we walked everybody through what a traffic stop looks like and what questions they can be expected to be asked, and kind of trying to take away you know from being this big, scary thing as much as we can.
0: Comp says the engagement is all to help the community feel safe, going to the Marshalls Department in the case of an incident, because he notes, posting on sweet rants doesn't count as filing a report. A youth hangout in Telluride is getting put on hold.
3: Given where we're at on cost estimates, along with the challenges now of um, even contemplating dewatering a construction site mid-spring or summer, and then the challenges with trying to start a project uh, really early winter, um, this is just a project that's not going to be able to break ground in
4: 2023.
0: That's Telluride Town Manager Scott Robson giving an update at Town Council this week. The youth hangout was originally planned to be part of a new warming hut in Town Park. The town of Telluride recently put out a request for proposals for contractors, to no avail.
3: Staff did ask one of the contractors who showed considerable interest in his local uh, to prepare a full cost estimate. His proposal came back at about 3.4 million uh, for the project, versus the 2.75 that we had uh, placed into this budget. Again, uh, with uh, 1 million of that. Uh, in this budget uh, to be uh, acquired through regional partnerships Uh, and that 2.7 number was up from the 2.0 number in 2020.
0: According to Robson, there's also been challenges going to regional partners asking for funding when those partners weren't part of the design or planning for the youth center. I
3: think at this time we would suggest uh, that we temporarily put a pause on this project, um, bring potential funding partners to the table, um and really revisit the the design and and in future uh programming certainly the the need still remains and it grows every day around a youth hangout in particular um, i want to make that clear that this is still a really high priority project for us but i think to bring that cost down to you know a reasonable and affordable level um it's going to take a relook at the design so we really want to um not necessarily start from scratch but i think it will be important knowing that this this could and should be a regional uh, benefit that we bring those partners around the table and and have their buy-in um, if we're going to ask for funding as well.
0: Council member Fee agrees with the need to go back to the community. I mean, I've been a little uncomfortable with this project sort of from the start. I conceptually really love it and I do think we absolutely desperately need it in this community, but the price tag for what we were getting has felt uncomfortable to me. So I'd really like to actually see this project take a big step back and reassess what we actually are going to need in this community, not just right now, but in the future. And we've had these conversations community-wide for years about rec centers. And um, I think once we start talking over over $2.5 million for spaces, we need to start thinking how that money is going to be responsibly spent to benefit the youth. Um, And whether that is here or whether that is, you know, someplace in the county or whether that is in Mountain Village. Robson hopes new designs and plans can be in the works or completed by fall so partners can get funding for the project in their 2024 budgets. Mental health continues to be an issue in our community and region. One in five people in Colorado experience mental health issues. To help the community gain skills and resources to help those in need, Tri-County Health Network is hosting a virtual youth mental health first aid class this week. The course is designed to teach parents, teachers, caregivers, peers, or neighbors how to help young people, those 12 to 18, who are experiencing mental health or addiction challenges. The training will include work on anxiety, depression, substance use, disruptive behaviors, and eating disorders. The Youth Mental Health First Aid training will take place on Friday, April 21st, from 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. The training will take place via Zoom. Registration is required and available at tchnetwork.org. The Telluride Housing Authority has been awarded $2 million in grant funding from the Colorado Department of Local Affairs to assist with construction costs on the Voodoo Affordable Housing Project. Grant funding went to eight projects in seven counties across the state that aim to help develop, create, or preserve affordable housing opportunities in their communities. The Voodoo Project will provide 27 rental units, along with commercial space, a public restroom, and a new location for the free box. Construction on the Voodoo Project is underway. It's planned to be completed in September 2024. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is looking to make some regulation changes for state wildlife areas, and it's looking for input from the public. State wildlife areas are managed properties with the aim of benefiting wildlife populations and provide opportunities for wildlife-related recreation. CPW is proposing general changes to its regulations on all state wildlife areas, including updating language when it comes to camping, the use of fires, allowance of dogs, and vehicle use. The department is also proposing updates to 12 specific wildlife areas across the state. CPW is accepting public comment on the proposed changes through May 24th. Individuals can comment at engagecpw.org. State lawmakers are unveiling their plan to implement voter-approved Proposition 122, which decriminalized the use of several psychedelic substances, including those in so-called magic mushrooms. KOTO's Lucas Brady Woods reports it's a balance between personal and therapeutic use.
4: The implementation plan is part of a new bill that clarifies the legal framework around decriminalization. Personal use is only allowed for people over 21 as long as it's not in public. People are also allowed to grow and share the substances but can't sell them. Bill sponsor, Senate President Steve Fenberg, says those stipulations are very different from those required of businesses.
3: They're sort of in conflict with each other, but but it's a it's a natural conflict that we just need to manage, and that is it created a regulated process. regulated industry, uh, but then also uh, decriminalize personal
4: use." Under the bill, licensed healing centers and individual therapists can provide natural psychedelics for therapy. Centers won't be able to operate within 1,000 feet of a school or another healing center. The bill also lays out which government entities are in charge of licensing the centers and therapists. The first applications will be accepted at the end of the year. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the State Capitol.
0: Many retired Navajo coal miners say they're suffering from black lung disease and other health problems as a result of working in mines in the Navajo Nation. It's widely known that uranium mining in the Navajo Nation has led to lasting health problems for miners. The impact of coal mining has been less explored. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Chris Clements of KSJD attended an informational meeting in Upper Fruitland, New Mexico on the federal benefits available to these miners and has this report.
5: It's a bitterly cold, gusty morning outside the Walter Collins Gymnasium where the meeting on Black Lung is about to begin. Beige-colored mesas loom in the distance, revealing layers of sandstone, shale, and coal. In the parking lot before the meeting starts, a miner named David Bedoni gestures over to the nearby hills.
6: All these mesas, there's people that live down this way, and there's the mine pit is like this, going south. And then...
5: Which mine is that?
6: Uh, the, the Navajo.
5: Yeah. Badoni says he did inventory in mines throughout the Four Corners, where he was regularly exposed to coal mine dust. Now, years later, he and others coming to these meetings say they have black lung disease, otherwise known as coal worker's pneumoconiosis, from working at mines like the Navajo mine in San Juan County, which is only a 10-minute drive from where we are now in Upper Fruitland. Badoni points toward a mine known as Navajo Mine A three.
6: And then the area three goes that way. And then there's there's crossroads over there that, that people um people live on the other side of the mine. So the only way they can get access to their home is going through the mine out there. And there's there's people that live out there that I know.
5: Who have it? Yep. Eventually, we head inside the gym. That's Orphelia Thomas, a member of the Navajo Nation and an employee at Positive Nature Home Care. Positive Nature is a home health care company that primarily assists uranium miners. But today, Thomas is translating information on how to apply for federal black lung benefits into the Navajo language so coal miners like Badoni and their families can follow along. Benefits include monthly payments to support miners disabled by black lung.
4: So in order for people to live with and um, go on with their lives with this disease, and they have to slow down. The miners, um, I talk with them and consult with them. They're in their 50s, 40, late 40s, retired.
5: Some of the uranium miners Thomas helped for Positive Nature were also coal miners at one point too. They approached her and asked if she'd be willing to facilitate meetings on how to get black lung benefits for others in the community. She said yes. After the last meeting she hosted in March, Thomas decided to move the next one here to the Walter Collins Gymnasium because of the high level of interest from minors and local healthcare companies. Partway through the meeting, Thomas tells those sitting in the crowd that she just spoke to the Upper Fruitland Chapter House about turning on the heat in the gym, which is freezing cold, but that... Back from
4: the Chapter House, they ran out of propane to, to turn on the heaters here. That's why.
5: Even with Thomas's translations, miners who have black lung still face barriers to successfully accessing benefits. Michelle Carter, a nurse who leads the Black Lung Clinic program at Canyonlands Healthcare in Page, Arizona, says that even miners who do get tested will face scrutiny from the mine owners, known as operators, before they're granted benefits.
4: When you're talking about the operators, um provide medical providers who are handed, who work hand in hand with the operator's attorneys. They will even say um, it can't be black long that miner's overweight. It can't be black long that miner has history of asthma.
5: In general, Carter says that since mine owners have input in whether or not a miner qualifies for federal black lung benefits, the odds tend to skew in favor of the coal company.
4: So there will be a fight for every single potential From the operator's standpoint. So uh, they're looking to dispute a claim from any potential movement forward.
5: Based on minors they've screened in the last year, around 12% have the potential to have black lung disease, according to Carter. Roughly 10% will come back with a positive diagnosis of some level of co-workers pneumoconiosis. That comes out to about 16 patients total, a number that Carter expects will continue to go up as more testing is done and more minors come forward. Some minors are also seen at other clinics in the region, and some are not seen at all, so the actual number of cases is likely much higher, Carter says. Canyonlands also sent representatives to the Black Lung meeting to encourage miners to take advantage of free testing. Alex Osif, who is Navajo, Hopi, Pima, and a former miner and Black Lung benefits counselor for Canyonlands, says after the meeting ends that historically miners have been taken advantage of by coal companies. Like I
6: stated in there, you got dust collectors, you got dust filters in your cabs, and it should by by law they should be changed out daily. They're not. So, of course, there are shortcuts that the mines take. One of them is on human safety and
1: uh, health awareness.
5: A spokesperson for Peabody Energy, a coal mining company which owned the Kayenta Surface Mine, declined an interview with KSJD but said, quote, The health and safety of Peabody employees is our top priority. Black lung disease itself is an irreversible illness, but there are still treatments available to those who have it. Osif hopes to convince minors in the crowd, some of whom were his coworkers, to get tested for black lung as soon as possible. David Bedoni says that having the illness has fundamentally changed the way he lives day-to-day life.
6: ...what it is, but me, I feel it every day when I get up. I feel it when I'm walking. I feel it when I'm, when I'm working uh or shopping in town. I feel it that the strand, the pull uh, I have around my uh, chest like a strip and <clears throat> Moreover, my father, he died of uranium. I used to work with him. Two of my uncles, my dad uh, my dad's uh, brother, and then my mom's uh, brother, both of my uncle, passed on with uranium. So then two of my brothers I used to work with, they're under this program too. So they have the same affliction. So <clears throat>
5: The extent of black lung disease and of miners receiving benefits for it is not as well known for Navajo miners as it is for coal miners in Appalachia. The next black lung meeting for miners is planned for June. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with mostly cloudy skies and a low around 15 degrees. Thursday expects scattered snow showers with mostly sunny skies and a high in the mid-30s. Winds could gust as high as 30 mph. Thursday night expect mostly cloudy skies with a low around 15. Friday should be mostly sunny with a high around 40 degrees. Friday night should be mostly cloudy with a low around 20. This has been the news for Wednesday, April 19th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.